Hello and welcome to this week's Mouth of the Time podcast, Shields Gazette production. I'm here joined by regular Miles Starforth and Jordan Cronin. Join us today. How are you guys? Well, good, thanks. It's all a bit, all going to be quiet the last 24 hours after what was, a, I don't know, tumultuous uh, couple of days really after that announcement. But I guess we're going to we're going to come to that. Total, total crazy, crazy week of football. Just when you didn't think things could get any more mental. They do. And that's, that's. I was going to say the beauty of the game, but we've really, really seen the ugly, ugly side of, of what is quite a beautiful game. I'll first come to you, Miles. Um, thoughts on the European Super League? Its formation, its collapse, the motives behind it. Quite an incredible power grab by the, the fat cats at the top of the English game that we'll particularly focus on, but also those on the continent. It's hard to know where to start, but I'm, I'm sure you'll be the same. It wasn't a surprise. We've, we've known this is coming. There's yeah. been there's, these talks have been going on for a while. There's been leaks. We've the kind of elite, as you, if you want to put it, have been wanting a bigger slice of the cake for some time. Um, Champions League reforms aren't enough for them. It, it, it seems so. It, it wasn't a surprise it came out. Um, but I guess the surprise was what a ham-fisted way it, it was. It did cake. It did come out um, in terms of PR and everything else. Obviously, it was, you know, in my view, uh, just about everyone else's, it was an absolutely disgusting proposal. Um, this, this kind of self-serving kind of closed shop where there's there's no sporting merit. It just a small group of owners want this guaranteed income every year without the threat of, um, of uh, non-qualification. Uh, any threat to their revenue streams and so on. We've we've, we've seen it coming, and you look at the kind of profile of of the owners 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 of those clubs. Uh, many from America, where the, the, there isn't relegation, where they do have that kind of guaranteed income. Um, absolutely, just you know, we're all pretty disgusted by it and angry by it. But again, not surprised. I think what did surprise me was the unity and solidarity, because we don't often see that in football. Um, in the response, fans. Um, other clubs, governing bodies, politicians, obviously politicians, you, you, you're suspicious of their motives, but there was such unity unity and solidarity that was actually heartening. Um, and and in so much so that it saw this thing off in, in the space of two days. Jordan, how can football move on from this kind of crisis? Because it's like something we've never, ever seen before, really. Yeah, I think um, there needs to be a a review into how football clubs are led in this country. I know um, the government have came out and said that they'll look to do that sort of fine led. Um, so I'm completely in favour of that. Uh, punishment, really, I think the Premier League, UEFA, FIFA are really to come down hard on, on these clubs because ultimately it's a massive, massive power grab. And, uh, you know, you, you can't you can't let clubs do that. Um, you know, UEFA, FIFA, Premier League, these are the, the big bosses, if you like. And uh, these clubs are trying to undermine um, them organisation, so there needs there needs to, uh, something something needs to happen in that sense. I think I've said before, um, docked points out. I, I would I would look to do that completely. I would even look to ban these clubs from European competition for the for the next couple of years. Um, I know there's a lot of people think you know we, we do need these big clubs um, to help the game sort of um, progress and stuff. But I'm, I think you know it, it has to. You have to come down hard on these clubs because um, I think you know in the future they. Could potentially look to do something similar, and we, we can't let that happen. We need to, uh, to try and get on the 
the front foot now and get in front of these clubs to stop them from even trying anything sort of similar in the future. Important point I think you make there, Jordan. That's my my key argument have come from this is that I think there needs to be some legislation put in place to sort of enshrine the, the values of, of the English game to make sure nobody can ever do this again. I was in a call um, on Tuesday, it would have been, with, with the leader of the opposition, uh, Keir Starmer, who was talking in depth. And, and he's one of the, the best legal minds in this country and wouldn't say these words without without true meaning. And one thing he constantly went back to saying there is no legal impediment to stop the ESL, which it was at that time, as it was still ongoing. So if he can stop the ESL, there has to be something to stop this ever happening again, in my opinion. Um, and I think I think it will be good if this isn't just pushed to the back burner by uh, the people in power. Um, and, and, and real change can maybe come about. We've seen a lot about the fan-led review. We virtually know the results of that. Reduced uh, reduced division, etc. More chance for these teams to play. I'm I'm really disappointed if moving forward we reset football back to the status quo. If we go back to the Premier League, uh, other fourteen pandering to the top six, the Premier League uh, taking in everything the top six has to say and giving their opinion uh, higher weight than the others, just because obviously they do bring more money in. I think that's one thing that, that the other fourteen have to realise now. I hope they're not scared of the six. They are 14 on the six. They have to realise they are the majority and should not pander to the six's wishes and everything. And the Premier League need to do exactly the same. The power is no longer, in my opinion, with the six. There was always the threat. Miles, we've known about this for 20 years. There's always been a threat of this happening in football, of the breakaway, the breakaway. I go back to so 2006, 2007, there was a lot of big talk about the, the top clubs in England breaking away. That power does not, does not, doesn't exist anymore. It's been blown out of the water because as soon as it was flashed in people's faces, they threw it back in theirs. They did not want it. Nobody wanted it. Politicians, players, pundits, fans. Fans, the most important people in this business, did not want it. And I think that's the positive that we've got to take from this in a reset of football is that the 14, the other clubs, everybody has to realise, don't be scared of the top six anymore. Don't give them exactly what they wanted. We know it'll come back. This will come back again. Project Big Picture was only three months ago it was thrown out. This is what they wanted in that way. What they were trying to do was put a carrot in front of the likes of Southampton, Leicester City, West Ham, and bring them in and change the voting rights in the Premier League. So it would only take nine votes, plus the FA, to get anything through. Ten. That can't be allowed to happen again. And I'm sure they'll try that again. But the other 14 have to realise, and we've seen the Sheffield United owner, or former owner, whatever he may be now, um, talking today on Saudi Arabian TV, talking about a private WhatsApp group between the 14 who are formulating their own plans. Nothing wrong with that at all. We'll talk about collusion, but if they're going to do it, then the other 14 should do it. And they shouldn't allow themselves to be walked over as they have for the last 10 years. No, I think I think you spot on. That's one one thing that's heartened me. You know, we've all had to we've all heard these threats from the the these the, the biggest clubs, these the Champions League clubs, whatever you want to call them. They're threatening their toys are going to come out of the pram if they don't get more TV money. They've they've seen how the TV money's divvied up elsewhere in Spain, uh, in terms of Barcelona and Real Madrid. They want the Premier League a, a, an even bigger slice of it. Um, they don't see what uh, your Burnley's and Sheffield United bring to the table compared to themselves. It's totally wrong. The Premier League is one club, one share. It, it, um, there's, there's, there's payments on merit in terms of uh, league positions, uh, and there's obviously uh, it's divvied up according to broadcasting. But the fundamental thing is it, 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 
each club should be equal and they have an equal say in that. And exactly right. The one thing I've taken from this going forward is that uh, this this won't happen again. And and the fourteen, um, the lesser clubs, whatever you want to call them, the clubs that don't have that uh, Champions League um, uh, football every every year, they should be take a lot of heart and a lot of strength from this. And we hopefully won't see this again. You say it'll come back, but it, I think it'll be some time before before we see them uh, come back with anything. And uh, and you're right. Hopefully, the fourteen or however many clubs that fall outside of that elite will come back and um, we'll fight it like they have done this time. A lot of talk this week about how uh, how this week has maybe impacted on on Newcastle United takeover. We between ourselves, the three of us, we we did a a Q and A and had our own opinions. And I'll I'll come to you, Miles, in particular, because you out of the three of us, you probably put it more succinctly on the idea that how what impact it would have. On it, effectively, that it can't be a negative, can it? No, it, it can only be positive. We can't, we can't get too carried away with anything. But, um, but in terms of whether it's going to be sold to the, the, the Saudi consortium or any other consortium or any other billionaire or whoever, um, if you take away the prospect of Champions League football, that's a negative. Um, so, going forward, anyone wants to come in, that you know. They won't be Mike Ashley. They they will aspire to 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 finishing high up the league, to play in Europe, um, and if you overachieve and others underachieve, who knows where you can finish? We've seen it before um, with this club. Uh, so you you'd hope the owners would have that ambition. Um, you'd be pretty sure they'd be more ambitious than Mike Ashley. Uh, and if we're talking about the Saudi uh, consortium, we know they're more ambi- far more ambitious than Mike Ashley. Um, so so why would if that Champions League was taken off the table and the, and you were left with this kind of rump of a Premier League where a handful of clubs had obscene wealth leaving the rest with 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 very little in, to, in relative terms, why would you invest in that? What's what's there to gain? What's there? What's the reward for sporting? You know, sporting success. There, there isn't that reward there. So, um, I, I would say it can only be positive. Um, how positive? I guess. Time will tell, but uh, what, what was what did you make of it, Liam? Well, I, I was going to come to Jordan to be honest and talk about the, the taking Amanda Staveley's words as gospel is what I look back. Is, is say, say her words were exactly true. One of the first things that she said after the after the pullout of the Saudis, everybody stepped back from the deal last year. They talked about uh, two clubs in particular who who lobbied against the deal. Um, there's been evidence brought to the table in certain legal cases, I'm led to believe, that proves that, 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 that Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool were two of the key players who uh, lobbied against the Newcastle United takeover. Jordan, do you think that's do you think that's fear? Is it fear? Is it worry? I mean, it's, it's a strange juxtaposition we find ourselves in. Is it the case that, that these top clubs, particularly Tottenham, I'll point towards because they are probably the, the lesser of the six, the one who maybe didn't have as sure a seat at the table as, as had been expected? Um, was it a fear thing? Did they fear the Saudis would come in and maybe spoil the, this plans that these plans have been put in place for three years? Well, I think if you want to if you want to single out Tottenham, I think there are a bunch of chances, to be honest. Um you look at the you look at the teams in the in the Premier League, and I'd argue Newcastle are, are bigger than Tottenham. Um, this, we'll go back to the Super League. What to find right did Tottenham Hotspur have to be in a European competition? Uh, I know I know they've obviously qualified for Europe more than Newcastle over the last, last sort of ten years, but um, I don't I don't see a massive difference between them them two clubs. But 
yeah, going back to the fear factor, absolutely. Um, who would want to boom and sort of successful Newcastle United? I, I don't blame the Premier League for being sorry, Premier League clubs being fearful for that because this club on its day, it is a force to be reckoned with. It is, it, it's absolute fear factor, and um, you know, you'd hope with this, with now, because we obviously seen that the Richard Masters did sort of maybe pledge his loyalties towards the top six. Now the top six have sort of you know, went behind his back. Can we now see these 14 clubs, you know, a bit more attention to pay, uh, pay towards them? And I think one of the biggest things Richard Masters could do to, to hit back at the Premier League top six is go, look, you know, you ultimately went behind our back and we sort of side with you with this takeover and you cast a takeover. Now I'm going to approve it. Um, I know that's sort of simple terms, but I'd, I'd love to see that happen. Right, I think we've I think we've managed to get all the European Super League anxiety and frustration off our chests here. But Miles, you've got the pleasure of, of visiting one of those um, failed European Super League sides on on Saturday. So Steve Bruce and his Magpies players, uh, Liverpool at the weekend. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I feel like there's half a chance there. You can't say you go into this game on a little bit of a run. Won the last two games. Liverpool. I look at their centre halves. That lad Phillips, who played centre half up here at St James's Park, wouldn't get a game for Hartlepool. I mean, they were, they were calling them out as they were calling them out as, as one of the best centre halves they'd ever seen. And then they played a decent side in Real Madrid, who tore into pieces. I mean, I, I think if you play a fit Callum Wilson, which I'm hoping they will, and Alan St Maximin with an ankle knock, but he played 50 minutes with it anyway, you would expect he'd be okay. Those two, maybe even throw Joe Willock back into the side. You can't see how you can score goals against this Liverpool side, in my opinion. I'm I'm probably a little bit jaded for this because I've I've lost count of the times I've I've headed to Anfield feeling they've they've had, had like you know just that half a chance of result of yeah, a win yeah. and kind of come, the come graveyard back, in the Premier League isn't it come come back home with the towers through my legs yeah I've literally lost count it's been obviously such a long time since uh, the, the, there's been a league win there uh, we all we, we all um, know that. Uh, so maybe that's colour in my opinion. Um, I'm always fearful going going there. But you're right. The Liverpool, then they're, they're not the team they were. Certainly with, their, with those key key players missing, um, I'd expect Henderson's obviously still out as well. Um, they've got uh, you know without Van Dijk, they're, they're, they've struggled defensively in that area. Um, so. I'd like to. I'd like to think there's a chance of a result, a win. I, I don't know. Um, are we getting carried away after two wins? Because let's let's not forget where we were. Let's not forget where we were just a week or two ago. We were, we 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 were staying very something very different, weren't we? Um, but don't get me wrong. That's two two good wins, two good results, and uh, they've. They've set themselves up, thankfully, for these last six games. And you're right, if, if Sam Maximum and, and Wilson are fit to start, um, certainly you can see them scoring at Anfield. George, do you think it's time to maybe bring a Joel Willock back into the side? Because we've seen two substitute performances in the last three where he's come on and had a crucial contribution in winning a point against Tottenham and then winning the game itself um, when he castinated look with look of throwing it away against West Ham United. Um, is it time to maybe bring him in? Because... I mean, there's there's a lot of, a lot of talk of John Joe Shelby. You did a piece this week with him talking about addressing. He'd obviously wanted to address it himself. This wouldn't be a question out the blue, but him talking about the the lazy tag that he's got. For me, if I'm changing this team around, Miles has mentioned it on this podcast previously. 
put Sean Longstaff back into that pivot role where he played at the start under Rafa Benitez and, and let Joe Willock give you a little bit more legs with Almiron in that midfield. Uh, do you concur with that, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely concur with that. Uh, obviously, Shelby and his, and his stats running stats, I'd, lo- I'd love to see them personally because um, not not a call my liar, but I do I do doubt that is that is true <laughs> because I've watched John Joe Shelby for how long has he beat Newcastle now? Four years. And he's never been the one that struck me as a person that runs about Um so I think Joe Willock gives you that, gives you those legs in there, doesn't he? Um, gets up and down the pitch really well. It would be John Joe Shavi that dropped out um, for me. And I think the thing with Joe Willock, I don't think Newcastle, if it is the £20 million price tag, I don't think they'd sign him for that. But if you want a realistic chance of bringing back this lad next season, which I think everyone would like to, because I think he's done really, really well, you need to give him a run of games because Newcastle will be in Arsenal next week. So, you know, you remove him from that because he can't play against his club. So he only has four games left after the weekend. So just give him a run in the team and hopefully, you know, try and get him back next year if if there's a deal there to be had. I think the the point is that we know John Joe Shelby, or we'd expect him to be one of the first names in the team sheet. And if someone is going to come out of the team for Willick, and obviously Willick's got a strong case to come into the team, it's going to be Sean Longstaff. And that would be tough on tough on Sean Longstaff. You know, in my, my view, Shelby would certainly come out, but um, it's hard to see, given what we've seen so far this season from Bruce in terms of team selection, Shelby missing out uh, if Willick was to come in. So that, that would be tough on Longstaff. I think he's come in and, and, and done well. He's he started both these much-needed wins. Um, but we'll have to see. The, the other point, of course, is who, who uh, where, where does Callum, Callum Wilson term in? fit in in terms of who comes out of the team. Um, I think we'd imagine Gillington, but uh, that, there's a few, there's a couple of decisions there which which will make things interesting. Obviously, of course, uh, Kieran Clark as well had a had a knock, as, knock uh, last weekend. Well, I want to ask you, you Miles, is, um, I've been scratching my brains this weekend thinking, I like Joe, Joe Willock, I think he's got a number of, of qualities why I would want to see him, as Jordan said, stay at the club next season as well, whether that be a loan or a permanent deal. He's a good carrier with the ball at feet. He's good at hassling and harrying, almost like does the Modi Army thing that we haven't really had anybody do that kind of thing um, since him. But the one thing that stands out to me is the late runs into the box and the timing of runs, the, the running past the centre-forward. And I would suggest we haven't had a player like that who could do that kind of thing since maybe a genie Wijnaldum. Well, the players you think Newcastle United have done that, you'd look at Robert Lee, you'd yeah. look at Kevin, yeah. and then I guess Wijnaldum as well in his short time there. Um, but yeah, that, 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 there's a knack, isn't there? Being that midfielder who just makes times his run, just times it perfectly, arrives in this little pocket of space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, has a finish, and there's, there's not been too many over years. You, you, you certainly Rob Lee a few, and, and Nolan was uh, was was uh, very good at uh, time timing his runs and getting the end of things. And um, when Aldham, of course, um, wasn't here for long, but did uh, did did score a few goals, uh, and obviously he'll be in the Liverpool team um, on Saturday. I'm going to throw Gary Speed in that mix as well. Uh, Gary yeah. Speed is another who is very, very good again. He's the he's he's the fair. He's he's the obvious one, really. Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a few there, all very good players. Um, but Gary Speed also though he was terrific with his head. He he, yes. he wouldn't just get any other things in this box. He would attack attack things so well with his head. Um, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure Gary Speed how good a header of the ball he was would have approved of Joe Willock's header at the weekend, mind. Yeah, the, uh, the, the just so, jump and hope with the back of his head. But um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm not sure how how I'd describe that header to be honest. But um, it's a great yeah. header, no look, no look take, header. Doesn't get better. Man. <laughs> it was probably it's kind of that's how I, I head the ball in five side these days. To be fair. <laughs> right, lads. So we've been on long enough. I'm going to come to you, Jordan, first for your prediction. Oh, see, because a, a few weeks ago I was tipping, I was heavily tipping Newcastle to get relegated, and now I'm going to a game of Liverpool. Actually, feeling um, quite confident. You know, and we had sort of we had, I look at I look at Liverpool this season, and um, they've lost at Anfield to Burnley, Brighton, and Fulham. So if Newcastle go there with it, then tenth. Which if they play if they do uh, play Colin Wilson and St. Maxon, I think that would be the intent. So um if them two play our start, I'm gonna go for a go for a one one draw. Miles? Well, you've you've taken the words out of my mouth, Jordan. I was gonna go one one. I'm not as optimistic as you, Liam. Um but <laughs> you, you know, with, with with those in the team, may, maybe get a result. One one one, me too. I think they'll be I think they'll be good in this one. Newcastle have gone there and got a two-two before. I think there's been a couple of those, hasn't there, along the, along the years? I could see one of those, but I, I quite fancy. I look at Newcastle's defensive frailties as well, and they do look at sixes and sevens against anybody, mostly no matter how they set up. But I fancy Newcastle United might nick a two-one here. We might see the first the first win at Anfield would have been since about ninety-three. Yes, that, that's it. That's it. Uh, ninety-three, ninety-four in the league. Yeah. Right, I'm going for it. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> Miles will be ringing. Miles will be ringing us about three o'clock on on uh, on Saturday. No, Liam, you're a miles off after a four 0 defeat. <laughs> I can imagine. Right. Thanks again, lads. Uh, that was another edition of Mouth of the Time. Mm-hmm.